I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Sam Stein again, Candidate Confessional. I know you're waiting for the season to start. I know it's right around the corner. Don't worry about it. We're going to give you another teaser episode. This one is a bit more thematically in line with what we do here. We're going to talk about the rise and fall of now former FBI Director James Comey. And for this discussion, I am joined by two really good guests. One is our own justice reporter, Ryan J. Riley, and the other is Matthew Miller. He was the former spokesperson for the Department of Justice, somewhat critical of James Comey, but he has some incredible insights as well. I hope you enjoy this. I am Matthew Miller, the former <laughs> chief spokesman for the Department of Justice. I was going to say, make sure you put the title that is interesting to our listeners and not the current title. Right. Okay. And who are you? I'm uh, Ryan Riley, a reporter with the Huffington Post. All right. And we're going to talk um, today about uh, the rise and fall of James Comey, uh, now former FBI director. Doesn't that sound a little weird? Who wants to go first? How did James Comey become this sort of mythical figure in Washington, D.C.? It extends back to the Bush administration days, right? Go ahead. Take a jump in. So it all dates back to one big high-profile congressional hearing in 2007 when – There was a massive scandal at the Department of Justice where Jim Comey had been deputy attorney general. It was mainly around uh, U.S. attorneys being fired. But um, the senator investigating that, Chuck Schumer, now the minority leader, uh, and his chief counsel, a guy named Pre Perara, yes. eventually the, the, the U.S. attorney for the it Southern all District go, of comes New York. Back around, yeah. that, that's right. We're able to get Jim Comey to come and testify, um, I think because Preet had worked with Comey at the Southern District of New York. And there was this dramatic. But they, they, they had heard about something. They that had, had heard about something. Yeah. But the remarkable thing about it was it was a congressional hearing where no one knew the big reveal until it happened live versus like the Sally Yates hearing on Monday sure. where you, we found out some new details. But the gist of what happened with her warning about Mike Flynn had been reported beforehand. Yeah. This- no one knew any of it. And it was this dramatic hearing where Jim Comey talked about how he had been at, you know, he had heard that the White House counsel was rushing to the hospital. John Ashcroft was the AG and is at the hospital to try to get him to sign an order that Jim Comey wouldn't sign. And Comey rushed and there was this dramatic confrontation. And, you know, he, he, and the order was uh, with respect to domestic surveillance. surveillance. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so Comey goes to the hospital and says, no. 
He says no. And on his way to the hospital, he calls Bob Mueller, the FBI director, and Mueller rushes to the hospital too. And the two of them say no. And there's this kind of – it's not a deathbed scene because John Ashcroft didn't die. Sure. But there's this scene where John Ashcroft like – It's very godfather Yeah, he like, yeah, 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 that's right. he like, he like you know, opens his eyes from his slumber, his near coma. Uh, and you know, they're trying to get him to sign it. And he says, I can't sign it because I'm not the attorney general. He is and points at Comey. So it's just dramatic hearing. Technically the acting AG, but yes. Technically yeah. Yeah, <laughs> technically the acting And it started this legend of Jim Comey, the truth teller, man, the of man, who would, man of integrity, the man who would stand up to the president. So what happens with Comey after that? I mean, at the time, he's is, he's gone from the department? He's gone. He's in okay. private practice at the time. Or so He becomes this hero uh, among liberals and progressives for standing up to the Bush administration. Um, and then, what, a couple of years later, Barack Obama is elected and he needs to have a new FBI director. So, of course, he goes to... James Comey. Yeah. And? And I mean, he got bipartisan, you know, support because this is someone who, you know, I think technically he's not registered anymore, but is a Republican for all yeah. intents and purposes. Um, and this is someone who, you know, has sort of bipartisan support. And that story was obviously very prominent in a lot of the coverage initially when uh, Obama nominated him. Had Comey ever been in the FBI? Do we no. know? No. no. He'd been a prosecutor. Okay. But that's it, not unusual. It's not unusual. And at the time, Obama appoints him. Um, he gets a lot of accolades for this because Comey still has this incredible reputation. Um, and was there anything of note really uh, for the first couple years in his tenure or was it just sort of a ho-hum tenure at that point? It was ho-hum the entire time that Eric Holder was AG, Okay, <laughs> um, uh, which was the first couple of years of Comey's tenure. Um, and then things started to change when Loretta Lynch became the AG. Now, I think I we think- should stop for a second because not everyone will understand the role, the relationship that the um, Department of Justice has to the FBI. Can you explain it, Ron? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're on different sides of Pennsylvania Avenue here and essentially uh, the FBI is, is – Literally part- across from each other. Yeah, yes. literally across from each other, although that won't be true in a few years perhaps when the FBI moves. Headquarters, beautiful building, old ugly building. <laughs> yes, that they have lined up there. Um, sure, it'll be turned into some condos. And uh, <laughs> so, essentially, yeah. But the relationship um, is essentially that you know DOJ in a lot of ways oversee you know oversees the FBI, but huh. the FBI is very very <laughs> has a very independent streak. Technically, on paper, they over they oversee the FBI, but FBI agents. I don't know if a lot of them would necessarily uh, agree with that. It's a very you know, it's an agency that thinks a lot of its reputation and, um, you know, and obviously cares a lot about how they're portrayed sure. uh, in the public. So now back to this um, change in how Comey is acting when uh, Eric Holder, attorney general, leaves office. Um, they then appoint Loretta Lynch. It takes a long time, but they then appoint Loretta Lynch as attorney general and something changes. Yeah. Comey from the really almost day one that Lynch became AG – didn't treat her like she was his boss. Didn't feel like he needed to be deferential to her the way that he was to to Holder. Um, there are some small examples and big examples. Some of the small examples, things as simple as um, in in big. Brian probably was at this press conference. There was this. Um, I think it was during the San Bernardino case where the FBI director called a press conference to brief on an update. Didn't tell the AG. The AG found out and came across the street to the FBI to attend Jim Comey's press conference. Very kind of, odd. I think the, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that. You were there. Yeah. It, it, it Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It, it fired. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it just doesn't happen that way. And it's a little bit of a, bit a, of a turf war. It's there, a little yeah. bit of a turf war and a little bit of a I'm going to do what I want. Sure. I don't report to you. 
And then there were some some sort of big things. One of them was the Ferguson effect. Um, mm. Comey going around talking, you know, basically endorsing the idea of a Ferguson effect. That you without any you evidence, expand to, on this yeah. what a Ferguson effect is. I mean, the idea was essentially that police officers, uh, because of how they felt they were being portrayed in the media, had backed off of doing basic police work and were afraid to go. And, his example was afraid to, you know, break up a, a group of guys on the corner late at night because they thought that they would do something that they would then get in, uh, poorly portrayed and they'd get in a lot of trouble and suddenly you'd have you know, this media circus around you. Correct. And his contention was essentially that that was leading to a spike in crime. There wasn't really much evidence. And, you know, there's been a slight uptick in, in some cities, but there's a lot of different factors that go into uh, any reason for why cri- there's differences sure. in crime rates. But Comey says this thing might be happening. That's not a, a calculation that the Department of Justice has made at all. And the DOJ is actively on the record saying there's no evidence of it. The White House has been saying it. So it was a very high profile break. Interesting. And those things are we'll fa- I will we'll preview probably what we'll get to later. Sure. I think that all all of that background is important for what it's happens in July 2016 <laughs> yes. and October 2016. But we got to go back even further then because that's the context and then of course um the revelation that Hillary Clinton has used a private server uh and a private email address uh of course rocks the campaign. This is spring of 2015 and um the question is, for a while, is the FBI actually going to be investigating this or are they investigating this? And the FBI doesn't answer the question. I mean, just not answers the question, which is standard procedure. Um, but then it becomes clear that they are investigating this. How did it actually become clear that they are investigating it? Did he admit it? Do we know? How did it break like that? Um, the New York Times um, reported it in this oh, famous yes, story famous. that, yeah, that yeah. the um, yeah. Department of Justice had, had opened a criminal investigation. Um that uh, that was confirmed. Uh, by the way, the Times was right in that story. It okay. was a criminal investigation. That the Department of Justice doesn't open, you know, security reviews. Sure. I mean, the, the Clinton campaign was spinning a little bit, and DOJ came back and spun a little bit and tried to back it up and say, "Oh, it's not a criminal investigation. It's a, a review of some sort." Sure, they sure. Were, they were spinning a little bit, but that it that happened probably August 2015, roughly. Okay. I'd say. All right. So uh, either way, it's sort of irrelevant, but it, it it gives us a little bit of chronology here. And then, of course, Loretta Lynch famously uh, has this tarmac situation with President Bill Clinton where she gets on his plane. Uh, they're both in Arizona. Uh, they happen to be on the tarmac, two different planes. He walks over there, gets on her plane. They talk for, what, 30 minutes, something like that, allegedly about golf and the grandkids, whatever, hmm. um, and forces her hand uh, in a way that I think was unanticipated. And, and I want to talk about whether in the end it was right of her to do this or smart or wise or whatever you want to say. But she essentially says, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to recuse myself kind of, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> she says she's going to. She doesn't – she still holds – Except the recommendations of yeah, except, career okay. attorneys, I believe, was the line that they were using okay. at the time. In that moment, uh, as someone who is now a former uh, spokesperson for the Department of Justice, what were you thinking about both the optics but also, more importantly, uh, the procedures that she was now instituting or implementing? I, I thought she completely bumbled it from – bumbled every step of that. And I told her staff that at the time. They bumbled the plane meeting. They should have never had that meeting. Of she shouldn't have held the meeting. Her staff shouldn't have let her have the meeting. You, when that happens, you walk on the plane and you say, Madam Attorney General, we're late for meeting. We have to go. And she says, oh, we'll just go. No, we have to go right now. Um, that was the first mistake. There and then, apparently was an effort to break it up at some point, in the, but it was, came but, too but late, you, you don't make it an effort. Spoke, you make, it was you her spokesperson who was like you, freaking you, out. You literally, get him off literally the plane. drag her <laughs> off the plane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all you can do. Sure. But then this this sort of recusal was a huge mistake because what you've done is you've given Jim Comey all the authority. You either say, 
look, I shouldn't have done this meeting. I have a long record of being impartial. No one's ever questioned my integrity. It's not going to change how I review the case. I'm not recusing. You either do that or you recuse. There's no half recusal. Yeah. Because what you've done is made – you kind of have the worst of both worlds um, by being half recused. Yes. You can't be half pregnant. can't be half That's recused. That's right. So – when did Comey – so then Comey – this I can't believe how long this all took actually because the Comey press conference in which he finally reveals the results of his, uh, of his recommendations in his uh, inquiry into the Clinton email issue happens in June of 2016. July. So, July, July, July 5th. Okay. July 5th. I mean, so we're over a year now past when it first start. And of course, you were there. Mm-hmm. What I'll get to you because I know how impassioned you are about – because this was like <laughs> this. I don't know everything facilitated for me. <laughs> but you were set the scene for anyone. What what is it like in that room at that time? I mean, it was odd. Yeah. So essentially, it you started know, in the morning because you. It was. I remember this vividly. Like we sort of had an inkling that something was happening. Right. And they put out a statement being like, "There will be a press conference with Jim Comey." Correct. At this time, everyone would have been very disappointed if it didn't have anything to do with Clinton. <laughs> but actually, if they wanted to sort of bring up whatever topic they felt like, they probably should have done that. It was a good press move. And yeah. A lot sure. Of coverage, but, there was a lot of intrigue. Yeah. So I think you know it's important to look at the relationship between the press and the FBI at that point to begin with, because I mean, Comey had basically quarterly meetings, roundtables with us, and was pretty open and. You know, would sort of take field any questions. A lot of them he, you know, couldn't answer. His last one, I believe, is actually around a year ago, right now, uh, back in May of 2016, when he essentially was, you know, tossed a bunch of questions about the Clinton investigation and sort of dodged and weaved sure. in any way he could. Um, but I mean, was always, you know, very pretty open with the press. And then when we had this this press conference, you know, it wasn't so much a press conference as it was a statement to the cameras, and uh, there weren't any. But what's the scene allowed. like? Is it just packed? Yeah, it was odd. I mean, you know, yeah, people definitely haven't seen before on uh, the DOJ. <laughs> <laughs> the DOJ beat lots of people, lots of people there, lots of cameras, lots of people. So it's on the uh, it was on the first floor of FBI headquarters, just down the, you know, there, we passed a portrait of of J Edgar Hoover. L- yeah. Looks creepy in an official portrait as well but <laughs> you can't hide that um, and you know so it was, in the, it was in this room and there was the script that was generated and he sort of starts out saying that you know no one has reviewed the script of what I'm about to say at DOJ and what was, are you thinking in that moment I mean it was an incredible it was an incredible moment and I think during the press conference I remember several reporters sort of gasping like, at sort of the lines that uh, were coming out because in a lot of ways it felt like the lead up to an indictment yeah. it felt like Here's sort everything. Of buried the lead a little right. Bit. Yeah. 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 Like if – definitely. I mean like you were like, is he? Is he going to do this? Is this going to – or at least, you know, the recommendation of an indictment, which is all he could really do um, in his position. But that's what it sort of seemed to be leading up to. And then at the end, it was sort of however, you know, here's here's the situation. Now, and, um, you having uh, been in this, uh, in this situation or in this industry, I should say, uh, where are you watching this and is your – how quickly does your jaw hit – the table. It, I was watching in my office. Um, my job hit the table as soon as he said, um, "No one at the Department of Justice knows what I'm about to say." <laughs> and and I remember he's you know he's talked about that out. He talked about that in a uh, testimony a week or two ago. And you know he called Loretta Lynch and wouldn't tell her. Um, by the way, I, the, I know that the Department of Justice found out about that press conference was even happening because the the pool camera operator called the DOJ press office and said, hey, what's this thing at the FBI at 10 o'clock? Wow. Fairly shocking. Um, not even a heads up that the press yeah, conference not, not, not even. So I, I How have, you hold that secret that yeah, time. Unbelievable. It's, it's, so I, I, and I think that's where you, know, you, fall, you have to fault Loretta Lynch because I, I, I can say with a fair degree of confidence that if he had called Eric Holder and said, I'm going to have a press conference on the Clinton matter and I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say, he would have said, 
you know, the hell you are. Get your ass over in my office right now and yeah, explain yeah, yeah, to me yeah. what you're doing, and I will decide what we're going to do. I'm the attorney general, not you. I get yeah. to decide how we do this. But he didn't even tell Lynch she was going to have a press conference, so she wouldn't even have the opportunity to. Well, they did. Yeah, she, they, they, not initially, but they did find out and had some kind of conversation. Oh, right, 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 because right, of course. They found yeah. out from the, pre- from the press and then had some kind of conversation. Sure. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you're watching this and he's going through a lengthy uh, denunciation of Hillary Clinton and her irresponsibility in handling her emails and uh, all the classified material that may or may not have been passed and so on and so forth. And this is rare. I mean, this is not I – I imagine nothing like this has ever happened when you've been on the beat and I'm imagining pretty much ever. Yeah. It's, it's not – first of all, the FBI doesn't hold press conferences on criminal cases without prosecutors authorizing them. That's, that's the first thing. It's not their job. Yeah. It's not appropriate. They're not supposed to do it. But then even if even if you know so let's say you accept all of Comey's rationale of why he had to do this people didn't trust the process the Red Lynch had compromised herself if he had come out and said um, so we've con- we've concluded this investigation um, there was a long look at it we interviewed this many people we looked at this many documents and it was the unanimous recommendation of everyone on my team that we don't bring charges and I've transmitted that recommendation to the Department of Justice that would have been somewhat inappropriate. But it would have been at least not violating a whole bunch of other DOJ rules, which is what he then did sure. by saying her, Secretary Clinton's behavior was careless. Um, he then said this weird thing about how she received a number of emails that were marked classified, which put the campaign in a real tailspin because they had been saying she never received anything marked classified. It was, they had no idea how to defend that. It didn't come out until he testified that it was three emails. I it was believe. three emails, and he and said some at the of the classifications were odd. Well, well he yeah. said at the hearing they weren't properly marked, so there was no way to expect that Secretary Clinton would have known. It's like, well, that would have been an important piece of information. Right. I remember like thinking conference. at the time during the press conference, is like, oh, that's an that's a campaign ad right there. Sort of what he was saying. It was yeah, like, that's yeah, that's a campaign ad that the Republicans are going to cut. And I think on. your big point was like you. He basically had laid out the accusations to Clinton as if it were a court of law, but she would not. She was not there to defend herself. And then subsequently she would have to figure out – almost reverse engineer the case that he was making so that she could then figure it out. And I remember talking to campaign people who had no idea how many cla- – what, yeah. what the classified emails were. They don't which, have access to them. Sure. They have no way to know. So uh, I mean it was just a remarkable scene. It's over and Comey having tried to sort of thread this needle ends up disappointing basically everybody, right? Republicans are upset uh, because he has not 
uh, said he wants to press charges or recommended pressing charges. Democrats are livid because he has maligned Clinton without allowing her the chance to defend herself and violated basically every protocol in the book. And then he kind of just sort of what disappears. I mean, I, didn't re- I remember not hearing about it for a while. I mean, he goes out. Oh, sorry. That's not true. He has to go on Capitol Hill and then defend himself. Um, and that's, as you said, where it sort of starts to fall apart a bit. Yeah. On Capitol Hill, he then kind of undermines some of the things he said uh, at his press conference, especially this thing about classified uh, uh, emails. And after it's weird. So after the press conference, um, Democrats were really pretty quiet. They weren't sure what to say. They were happy she wasn't indicted, but, you know, obviously mad about the press conference. But then after the hearing where he really pushed back forcefully against the idea that she should have been charged, Democrats just kind of thought, well, we'll drop our criticism of Comey because, you know what, we, he's, he's now rebutted. He, in a way, he had rebutted everything <laughs> he had said a couple of days earlier. Oh, but see, it's different for me. I remember the people in the Clinton campaign were livid. I mean, well, just the campaign, livid. but yeah. people on the Hill dropped it. Okay. And then he disappears. Sorry. That's, and, and then it's suddenly, I mean, I remember for a while, like, it, it does make its way into certain ads. It becomes a huge talking point. Trump's, uh, you know, ra- railing Comey for not going further, for saying she acted irresponsible, but not bringing criminal charges. And then, famously, October 28th, uh, we get a letter uh, to the Hill, to Jason Chaffetz. Um, which is when you want to talk about that day and that letter and whether it was even odder than the press conference in a way. Yeah, I mean it was odd. And I think you know one way of possibly thinking about what Comey I suppose was, we should set it up. The letter says we found more emails. Right. Turns um, out they were from, Pertinent to potentially the investigation. Correct. Uh, potentially pertinent to the investigation. And they were – well, they don't say this in the letter. But it becomes clear uh, shortly thereafter that they were found on Anthony Weiner's laptop – Husband, then husband of uh, Human Abedin, uh, Clinton's close aide. So this, and he writes, what is it like a three sentence letter? And Jason Chaffetz, Congressman, tweets that says investigation reopened. Now yes. go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> Which wasn't, there's a lot to set up. <laughs> there is a lot to set up. Has like twenty wasn't, chapters. Wasn't quite accurate, but I mean, mm-hmm. one way to sort of uh, apparently the conversation that last week when Comey was testifying on the Hill, he sort of recounted having a discussion with one of his young attorneys at the time, who basically said, "Should you consider that uh, what you're about to do could make Donald Trump president?" And he said. His response was, you know, not for a second that we shouldn't we sure. shouldn't think about that at all. Which is wrong. Sure. Right. Which is actually, yes, be correct, actually the because the distance the opposite. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean according to protocols, you're supposed to sort of not make any announcements that close to election, specifically because it could impact the election. The idea that you're ignoring the impact that it could have on the election is actually sort of And his rationale is I've told these people on the Hill repeatedly that the investigation is over, that we aren't pursuing anything, and now suddenly we have to pursue this matter, how can I not tell them or update them? What you can, we have to imagine is in his mind at that moment, though, is that, I mean, like a lot of people, he's probably expecting that Clinton's going to win. He's not expecting that that Trump is going to win and he's going to be facing down a Republican, you know, Republicans, members of Congress who are going to be obsessed with this issue for the next year. So, Matt, why why is this a, what what is the (laughs) protocol here that he should have followed that he didn't? Well, so... If he was going to start reviewing the emails right away, start reviewing the emails right away, you don't tell Congress for two reasons. One, because because when you start investigating someone, there's no Hillary Clinton exception. You you keep quiet and you investigate them quietly. You don't send letters to the Hill telling them, you sure. know, we're going inve- to we're going to open this new investigation. But the other thing is there was no reason for them to even start reviewing the emails right then. So 
one of the things about this rule that you don't do anything that could impact election, it's often interpreted as you won't even take investigative steps close to an election if you don't have to. Now, now if there's some reason you have to, either a witness is going to flee or documents are going to be destroyed, then you do what you have to. The investigation comes first. They had all the emails in their possession. There was no way these emails could be destroyed. They could have sat on that laptop, started looking at it after the election, and it wouldn't have hurt the investigation at all. But even if they did need to start... They certainly didn't need to send that letter. And the reason he did it, I mean, he, uh, his concealer disclosing is, is BS. It's because he thought it was going to leak. Mm-hmm. He thought the agents in the New York field office were going to leak it. And then he was going to get called on the carpet for it and look like he was you know, hiding it. But he could have at that point said it's protocol for me not to do this. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and I've had this argument with a number of people at DOJ, um, uh, a lot of people, <laughs> ang- angry arguments. So what if it leaks? Stuff leaks from from DOJ all the time. It's not great, but you manage it. You you you. Well, yeah, we've got something new. We don't know what it is. We're going to look at it. Um, it's the the magnitude of the coverage of a leak compared to the FBI director sending a formal letter. It, what what struck me? What, what struck, maybe you guys can weigh in. But what struck me about the letter was the brevity of it. And and I well, the reason it was struck by it was. He had been criticized for going on and on at the July press conference and for talking too much. And I think he internalized that criticism in a way that forced him or compelled him, I should say, to write a three-sentence letter that told us nothing. Um, And in fact, uh, it could have been and maybe should have been the inverse where if you're going to write a letter as opposed to give a camera statement, uh, it was his obligation to at least explain the context uh, of the investigation. One, we don't have a warrant yet. Two, we don't want to know how many emails are there. We don't even know if the emails are pertinent yet. Um, but we found them and we thought that maybe you should know this. Um, and had he been more forthcoming in the letter, perhaps history would have been a bit different. I guess that's right. It's hard It's hard for me to wrap my head or it's hard for me to get past the per- first part of your sentence, which is if you're going to send the letter. I mean, you would never disclose any of those things that you just mentioned in a letter, um, which is why you don't, you don't open the box. <laughs> you, don't, yeah, you don't send it in the first place because once you send it, like, well, sure. to be fair to her, we have to say all this other stuff. Well, yeah. just shut up. Yes. And then what? Like a week later, he sends another letter. Sunday uh, night, wasn't it? Sunday? Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember Sunday that night. Yeah. We're fried yeah. as hell. Uh, <laughs> Somehow they managed to look through all these emails. Um, they, they did it. Um, they ended up finding something well, like – A lot of them were duplicates was one almost, thing. A ton of them were yeah. duplicates. There, a lot of them had just been auto backups from whom was uh, BlackBerry. I think he revealed this past week that maybe 12 had classified information, 10 of which were – they had already previously seen and two of which were like – sort of minor classified stuff. And they were from the initial three months, as he said. So if we were going to show intent, it would have been in those initial three months, as if she would have written an email in the <laughs> yeah. initial three months. Says, you know what? I'm going to have this private email server so I can mishandle classified information. <laughs> no. And, and then, so we, now we're talking about like three days before the election. Sunday night, he informs Congress. Uh, they've concluded. They've gone through everything. They've concluded nothing. Uh, would uh, make them change their initial uh, conclusion that she had not acted with intent and therefore they're not going to bring charges. And the Clinton people are actually uh, as pissed at the second letter as they are the first. Yeah, because it came so close to the election and it just sort of feeds into this media coverage and this cloud sort of surrounding her then where it's like if you're just – if you're an average voter – you're maybe just seeing this coverage and saying, well, something's up here. There's so much smoke. There must be – there must be fire. fire. Yeah. So – Suddenly, Comey, though, has restored his reputation with Donald Trump, who is now out there praising him, <laughs> saying, what a guy. I always knew he'd come through. Real integrity. <laughs> um, and Trump, of course, wins. And the question is, will he keep Comey on? Uh, at what point do we know uh, – at what point do we discover that the FBI is investigating 
uh, Trump's ties to Russia. It was it, – there were some reports before the election, but there were also – there were a lot of things that for people that – Watch the FBI and the Justice Department closely. You could tell yeah. you could you could connect the strings before the election and tell they were, but they didn't confirm it. Sure. It wasn't actually really nailed down. I think until like December, shortly okay. after the election. because he had there was a there was a seventeen agency letter, uh, sort of saying point blank Russia's interfering with has interfered with the elections. They're meddling in our democracy. This happened in October. The FBI is uh, conspicuously absent from signing on to that letter. It's later uh, revealed, or uh, I should say Harry Reid accuses, or numerous people accuse Comey of uh, sort of deliberately downplaying his knowledge of this investigation into Russia uh, prior to the election. So now we have this issue of double standards. Did he have a double standard for Clinton where he was willing to talk about the stuff uh, versus Trump where he wasn't? And what's their rationale for why – what is his statement to s- explain why he wasn't willing to talk about the Trump stuff? Um. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't talk about investigations? Because they don't talk about – Europe. because he followed policy in that instance where there wasn't this I – guess, I guess if you want to go with the most – sort of favorable view of it uh, for Comey, it would be that, you know, there was a previous disclosure um, and a lot of this would have basically, deal, you know, date back to the issue of uh, Loretta Lynch and the, and the tarmac because that's what created that initial conflict of interest and, you know, he felt he couldn't keep her. That was the, the butterfly flapping its wings event and everything stems from there. Yeah, ripple and, and once he had pond, to weigh in, yeah, we go with. once he had to weigh in, then he had to stay in and Correct. with Trump, he never actually had to acknowledge it so he wasn't ever going to. Because there wasn't a conflict there because, I mean, you know, there wouldn't be you wouldn't think the Obama Justice Department would really be holding back on investigating okay. Donald Trump. All right. So eventually, though, he does admit that Russia, Russia's med- that they are investigating Russia's meddling election and potentially uh, ties to the Trump campaign. Um, and Trump keeps him on. Trump keeps him on. Um, I think it's viewed as uh, keep your enemies close potentially moment, um, but also that it would be uh, highly controversial if he dismissed Comey with this thing hovering over his head. There was an awkward sort of man hug kiss in the Oval Office <laughs> and yeah. Or was that, in the White that House. seemed abnormal too to have Comey involved in that moment. Completely bizarre. Yes. Complete, I, I'm trying to imagine Barack Obama kissing Bob Mueller. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, so what's happened? I, I, we're going to try to uh, wrap this up quickly. I didn't realize we were taking this long, but can you walk us through what it's been like from that moment to this past week in terms of the FBI's handling of this investigation? So there's a lot that we don't know. We know they're investigating. We don't know everything they look at. They're looking at. There are all these leaks coming out since they fired, since Trump fired Comey. And I think we're going to see a lot more leaks because I think a lot of people at the FBI are pissed off. But they're conducting this investigation, and then the big moment was March 20th when Comey comes up to the Hill and publicly confirms that they're looking at. And and my guess is that's that. Is the that's the event that eventually leads him to be fired? You know, that's when he goes up and talks about it. It's a massive firestorm, sure. horrible day. And for do the we White know House. like just some of the specific things that they are looking into? I mean, we we know Mike Flynn, oh, for yeah. instance, is one of them. Potential business ties, so, oh, there communications are, during the course of the campaign. Yeah, there are a number number of different uh, threads. So obviously, the the biggest one and the one with the biggest threat to the White House is whether the campaign colluded with Russia sure. to hack e- emails or release emails. Emails. Um, but then there are a bunch of separate threads. There is, you know, Carter Page and whether Carter Page was turned at some point. This is um, the, the old uh, former uh, foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump, sort of mysterious energy official who like popped up in a Washington Post piece as Trump's foreign policy advisor when he had none. 
Major ties to Moscow. Major ties to Moscow. Um, there's Paul Manafort, and Paul Manafort has tons of problems. Everything yeah, former from, campaign chairman. Gone. Right. Sorry. Everything from not registering as a foreign agent to lots of shady business deals in Ukraine when he was working for a Putin crony. Sure. Um, there's Mike Flynn, also didn't register as a foreign agent, which is a violation of the law. Potentially violated the Logan Act. That's never going to be prosecuted. But also might have lied to <laughs> might have lied to FBI agents sure. in his interview, which he did without an attorney. Which is what a lot of people gets a lot of people, even if they don't get you on the original charge. If you lie to FBI agents about anything, yeah, there's a charge. So now proof that you know what goes around comes around. That uh, we always that things always repeat themselves. In this context, the now current Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, is caught in a lie. Uh, he had told uh, his confirmation hearing he had never talked to um, Russian officials while he was a surrogate for the Trump campaign. And then it's reported that he had talked to the Russian ambassador to the United States on several occasions. And he offers to, much like Loretta Lynch, he offers to recuse himself from- This one's official, but yes. This one is an official recusal. <laughs> he sort offers of. to recuse- Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Well, well, yeah, we actually will get to that. Yeah. So he says he's not going to be involved in these investigations that uh, the FBI is currently doing into um, Trump campaign's connections with Russia. He's going to hand it off to his deputy. But his deputy hasn't been confirmed yet. That would be uh, the current deputy attorney general, Mr. Rosenstein. Rosenstein? I never can Stein. Rosenstein. Okay. Uh, meanwhile – Okay. Not related. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Meanwhile, this whole – does someone want to talk about Sally Yates or should we just avoid Sally Yates because it's getting super complicated? Does this matter to any of this? No. OK. We'll avoid Sally Yates. OK. So now um, this week, let's just fast forward to this week. What happened this week? Do you want to do you want to tell the story? Can you can you do some of the talking here? Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, we had a situation where an incredible moment in American history happened. So uh, Comey testifies again first. I think we should start with the Comey testifies. Correct. Again. And I mean, here's the issue with this: is the timeline from the White House. I mean, they basically lied. I mean, the the timeline that we now know about how Jim Comey came to be fired has completely changed in the past seventy two hours. Okay. Um, there's this evolution. What we now know and that Trump has admitted is that he was basically looking for an excuse uh, to fire Jim Comey after his testimony on the Hill last week. That was sort of the trigger. And what, why? What happened last week? This is different than the one where you said he admitted that they are investigating. This one, he said he felt a little nauseous, a, a little bit queasy, I would say, right. that he might have affected the electoral outcome. Right. Well, there are two separate issues. And I mean, a lot of it had to, was dealing with Russia. A lot of the hearing dealt with Russia. But what he said about this handling of the Clinton investigation when asked about it was that, yeah, he uh, – the idea that he had an impact on the election or the Bureau had an impact on the election made him mildly nauseous. That was sort of the headline to come out of this. Um, and e- whether it be that or whether it be his discussion uh, about Russia in general and the investigation that is ongoing within the FBI um, – Something, one of those two things basically made Trump very upset and he reached the determination that he was going to fire Jim Comey, the FBI director. Okay. And Trump – and how did they lie? I mean it's almost (laughs) comical to think that how badly they fucked up the lie but they did. uh, (laughs) Very badly. I mean we just unraveled within hours. (laughs) It was such a bad story. But anyways, go on. Essentially, I mean it would have been a very odd story that they were putting forward. Essentially, their initial contention uh, was that – the new deputy attorney general, Mr. Rosenstein, Mr. Rosenstein, uh, came in and decided on his own independently to write up this memo and say we should fire. Essentially, we should fire Jim Comey. It didn't outright. It didn't actually directly recommended, but the but conclusion the, your, your, is the richest part of the memo is why <laughs> they should fire Comey. Correct, and it was all based off of basically he treated 
Clinton unfairly. Which unfairly is, in the sense that he should never have spoken. Correct. Uh, all the reasons Matt's laid out, that's why you should right. fire James Comey. The very reasons that Donald Trump ended up cheering are the reasons why Comey should be fired. Right. And tra- <laughs> you, know, you have Trump on the one hand saying that basically Clinton was treated with kid gloves in a lot of ways and basically that Comey should have been tougher on her. And then you have Rosenstein saying, well, actually, no, none of that. Like he, Hillary Clinton was unfairly treated by FBI Director James Comey. Okay. They d- <laughs> just can't. Hard to believe that story fell apart. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shocking. And no, but that was really what, Clint, what uh, Trump was upset about was the unfair and, treatment of Hillary Clinton by the FBI. And when they come out and they put out this story, and this is my favorite part of this whole saga because it's so hilarious. They decide that they're going to say, well, you know what? Democrats felt the same way too. And they wanted Comey to be fired too. Ergo, everyone should be happy that Trump did this as if there was no other context to the story that Comey may be investigating Trump. Right. And of course, Democrats were not happy. Right. They were pissed. All right. Jeez. <laughs> so they, they keep talking about this. And then um, today, as we're recording this, um, Trump admits uh, to NBC that, in fact, it had not been uh, the Rosenstein memo that compelled him to do the firing. Um, he had made up his mind a while ago that Comey was too big of a showboat, um, that he wasn't doing a job effectively. Just to, just to clarify, we're saying that Donald Trump believes someone was too much of a yes, showboat. Exactly. Okay, just too to much sure of a showboat. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what I can't get over, uh, the part that I don't think you that you might enrage you is that um, – because you were talking about how inappropriate Bill Clinton getting on an airplane with Loretta Lynch would be. Trump admits uh, during this interview that he's had dinner with Comey uh, and talked to him two other times, each at each moment asking him if he, Donald Trump himself, not the campaign, he himself is under FBI investigation. The very type of collusion, the type of conflict of interest uh, that was uh, so awful in the Bill Clinton-Loretta Lynch airplane moment is now being admitted to by the president. It's being admitted to by the president, and he admitted he did it in the same conversation where Jim Comey asked to keep his job. So, that, I mean, you, it's, you're pretty close to a quid pro quo. You don't know what sequencing it was, but sure. if you're talking about whether I'm under investigation and whether you get to keep your yes. job, it's pretty bad. I can, I can see how the dinner conversation went, you know, past the, uh, past the asparagus, am I going to have my job? Am I under investigation? No. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so Comey's gone. Um, we don't know who the replacement is going to be. Um, there's some ideas. I'm not going to go into that. But um, Based wh- on the testimony we heard today where we had essentially the acting FBI director directly contradicting the White House In what on sense? the idea that uh, FBI – the White House contended uh, that the FBI rank and file don't support – didn't support James Comey that he lost their confidence. The new acting director said, nope, not true at all. So, They're all very upset they supported the guy. He had their confidence. Yeah. So he'll be gone soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold that much hope for him. Uh, and maybe he could be a podcast guest. Um, but in the end, okay, so now his tenure was what? Like three, three and a half years? Almost four years. Almost four years? four years coming September? Yeah. I mean, that's not the longest tenure. You get 10-year terms. Um, Six years left. And I... I just I, – I mean obviously it's going to change but like if you had to guess, you know, when we look back at this, um, I mean it's a complicated history and I don't know how you think he'll be perceived. I mean I think this is definitely the opening to his obituary. I mean this is – the impact that he had on the election is is going to be one for the history books I think. He'll forever be defined as the man who th- potentially threw the election that that will be you know right now that's probably the lead of his obituary but it could change if this investigation goes somewhere if this investigation ends up bringing down the president the lead of his obituary will be the man leading the investigation that brought down Donald Trump was fired the well but he was but and he now was. he's and was fired because of it 
Do you suspect, um, to close the loop here, um, that we'll have another Chuck Schumer Preet Bharara moment where <laughs> someone invites one retired FBI director to the Hill to go through some dramatic moments where uh, I something have, bad happened? I, I thought we would have a moment like that even before Comey was fired. One thing about him is he always finds a way to assert his independence and you know he's a little bit of a drama queen um, <laughs> and he's, he d- d- has done that in both of the administrations he worked for I think he would have done it here and now I think almost certainly we'll see him in front of the hill talking about those conversations with the president and maybe a lot and do more. you think do you think he does that because um, he's worried about his reputation he or he genuinely feels like he needs to get to the bottom of this or both um he has a little bit of a God complex. Um, he Look, I think he really is a, a genuine man of integrity, but he also is really wrapped up in this idea that he's a genuine man of integrity, and that leads him to sometimes make mistakes. Um, I don't think he will want um, – he won't want to be remembered just for being fired. He's going to want to tell his side of the story or for, at some or point. Or for the election Or, or for the election. He's going to want to tell some side of the story and present himself. He's going he's to want the narrative to eventually be, I was fired for standing up to the president. And he'll find a way to make sure that story gets out. Thanks to Matt Miller and Ryan Riley for joining us to talk about the rise and fall of James Comey. Again, season two of Candidate Confessional is going to start soon. It's going to be great. We have a lot of great stories to tell, a lot of great candidates. I hope you tune in. Tell all your friends to subscribe as well. We'll be up soon. Uh, Until then, I'll see you later. 